at one, two, three, four, five, six. What comes after it? Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Oh man, how much of a maths degree do you have again? <laughs> Welcome to Forever Young Adult, a podcast where I, Aoife, and I, Kira, read young adult fiction. And this week we're going to be talking about a book that is like technically falls under children and not young adult. But I think personally that every single person in Ireland should read it specifically, but also more broadly, every single person in the world. And that nobody should be fooled by the Disney movie that they made of it. The book is called Artemis Fowl by Owen Colfer and Owen Colfer is an Irish author who is incredibly prolific. He is thrown out a book a year just about and also was asked to continue some of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series. Um, he wrote the sixth book in that called And One More Thing or And Another Thing. And Another uh- Thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Owen Colfer is from Wexford. He is a big time nerd boy. He's written, like you said, for Douglas Adams's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He's also written for Marvel Comics. I believe he's done some TV or movie writing, as well as his graphic novels, his children's books, his standalone novels. I think still probably his most famous work is the Artemis Fowl series, which... This is the first book of, first came out in 2001 and became a New York Times bestseller. Yeah, uh, that's because it should, and rightfully, it's a fantastic book series. Um, it's really funny. It's really smart. There's just, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of continuity within the whole series, but there's just like, there's a lot of hints dropped throughout it and then picked back up, which is something that I really enjoy. And it's just really funny. It's so funny. I think it was one of the first books that I read as a child where I felt really smart after reading it. Like I had gotten these jokes and I just was like, I'm so smart now. That's really funny because I actually wrote down as my sidelight on this reread something that I didn't notice the first time, which Mm -hmm. is how stupid the book is. (laughs) (laughs) no I totally thought it was super smart but like now I'm rereading it and I'm like why the fuck are they talking about neutrinos right now what bullshit is this how did he crack an amazing ancient code using a computer program because it came up out in 2001 computers are magical and no one knows how they work and Owen Colfer was enough of a nerd to be like haha our superhero villain 12 year old genius solved this problem by sending an email yeah he oh my goodness so the basic plot of Artemis Fowl is that there is a 12 year old criminal genius called Artemis Fowl and he is young enough to believe in magic and fairies and smart enough to know how to use that knowledge and it's just so beautiful because you're just like I I think it was also like I remember reading I obviously we both reread this recently but I remember like reading it and being like so into this idea that this kid only this child would be able 
to achieve through this plan because mm-hmm. only also, he he's had crazy like... rich. Oh, he's so rich. But the 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 foul fortunes have been very harshly affected by the fact that his father that his his grandfathers tried to go legit and since mm-hmm. then that was that was a bit negative so that he he's coming back on track with the criminal empire which is just hilarious yeah um and his dad's gone missing and his mom's really sick so she's AWOL so he's just wandering about with himself and his like butler bodyguard they're the butler family and the thing in the book is that apparently in this world the genealogy of the name of the term butler comes from the butler family (laughs) Because the Butler families have been the butlers for the fowls for so long. And it's just him. Yeah. Tiny evil child and his massive, cool servant guy stealing the from the fairies. Find, the thing that I find hilarious is that um, Colfer specifically is like, perhaps some people believe that the word butler comes from the bodyguard butlers for the fowl families. But he isn't like... The, a bad thing comes from the name foul which mm-hmm. i'm like that's a one-to-one connection dude it's also <laughs> that he's a chicken i guess it's just so funny um okay so we've got 12 year old artemis who is a criminal mastermind age 12 and um, and he has discovered fairies and what he sets about doing is kidnapping a fairy so that he can steal the fairy's gold. Because as we all know, fairies have gold and they have it and they protect us like nothing else. And if else. you catch a hold of a leprechaun, you get to keep its gold. Exactly. And it's just fantastic because he does legitimately go about and he's all like he's all like, oh yes, magic is the thing that we are hunting but we are going to use science to do it and it's so funny and like you said the the fact that like the book came out in 2000 and the book came out in 2001 and there is just like no one knows how computer works at one point he like so he gets the fairy bible essentially mm-hmm. and then he prints it out because it's written Instead of being written left, right, or right, left, it's written in a swirl, in a spiral. Uh, So he prints it out, and then, and then he, what he, uh, what's the name of? He uses like a little exacto knife to cut out the words, and then puts them in straight lines and feeds them into the computer, and the computer magically translates them. And it's so funny. I think it's important to note the fairies, like you might be picturing fairies, but the fairies are really sci-fi in this as well. They're like alien magical technology stuff. And um, that's all treated as really cool. Oh, it's fun. It's so funny. They're like super miles ahead of us in terms of technology is supposed to be the whole thing. But also like they've been using petrol up until like two years ago. Yeah, and they're so <laughs> eco-conscious. Like, there's a whole thing about how... Um, so Holly, who is the main fairy that we meet and who who's the fairy that Artemis uh, kidnaps, she is, like, flying over Europe in order to get to Ireland. And there's this whole thing where she's, like, decrying how how humans have ruined the environment. And at the same time, she's using petrol wings to fly. And I'm just like, babe... <laughs> 
That's actually like, such a thing in the books. Like the fairies are so hypocritical about how humans are destroying the earth, but then fairies aren't like using any of their superior technology in order to help the earth. They have they have gone so fairies in this universe uh, used to be up on the surface and they predate humans. And oh yeah, they're the descended humans... from pterodactyls. That is a theory. That is a mm-hmm. theory. I told um, that to my housemate who's a zoologist and they just got really sad looking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so they, they predate humans um, and because they... Because they have life, longer lifespans, but they reproduce less often, they were quickly outnumbered by humans on the Earth. And humans were just dumber and stronger than them. So, so even with like, all their magic you know, powers, they seed the upper world and decide to make their own lives underneath the ground. Which is sort of what happened with neanderthals and denisovans and all of those species like one of the things that is theorized for why humans managed to overtake them was just we're more fertile yeah we just we just fuck a lot um but yeah there's different kinds of fairies our main cast includes an elf holly and there's also a centaur called foley who is the tech guy Fun fact about Foley, when Owen Colfer was writing him, he was thinking of a satyr, which is which is like a ghost, a human goat mix. Think about Phil in two, Hercules. Listeners. Yes, on two legs. But he did also just like keep writing about a centaur, which leads to some confusing descriptions and jokes about Foley throughout the series. But that's an aside. I don't think I ever picked up on those. <laughs> He he talks about it in an interview somewhere. Actually, he does sit down at one point and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, like, he was writing Centaur, but he was thinking satire. Oh, my God. Which is why Mr. it's so funny. Tom is here. <laughs> Foley wears a tinfoil hat because he thinks that humans are spying on him, even though he is the most... In- like advanced tech gadgetry fairy in the world and he knows that the human fa- humans aren't up to their level of surveillance so yeah. he's just really paranoid he's amazing i love him and also he so who, who who who's our cast we've got the humans who are artemis butler butler's sister and, and artemis's artemis mom a, a bit and his his father is mentioned because his father is missing and then we have the fairies or the people, and that's Foley, who is the tech guy, Holly, who is a lep recon, which is <laughs> like lower elements police. Ho- Holly is a cop. Holly is a cop. We've got Holly's cop boss called Commander Roos. And then there is another, there's a dwarf who is important and his name is Mulch Diggums and Aoife and I are both going to have like a moment in about five minutes where we just scream our love for Mulch Diggums. He's amazing. And, and then there's just an assorted cast of other police officers, mm-hmm. um, fairy police officers. And some like and fairy politics people. Yeah. Yes, there's also fairy politics things. The thing that I didn't remember from reading this as a child is that even though fairies are so much more advanced than us, 
they have only just decided to allow women into their police force. Yeah, Holly's like the sec- the first ever, I think, recon officer. There's like, who's a woman. There's one other like female cop, but she's described as a bimbo in the text. Yeah, great. Holly is Holly is not a fan of her. So, so there's there's plenty. It seems like there's plenty of 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 women police officers, but the the LEP are a specific like brand of police of of fairy police that go to the surface. Well, the recon are. Yes, recon Sorry. and retrieval go above ground. Yeah, and that's where we get the term leprechaun because mm-hmm. it's LEP retrieval. Lep yeah. Recon. Amazing. That is that is to this day the smartest thing I've ever heard in my life. No wonder they picked this man to be the successor of Douglas Adams. Can I Lep- can I just read you some things I highlighted in my e-reader? His yes. quotes. So when Artemis is presenting his plan to kidnap the fairies to Butler and Julia, quote, he spoke to them now from behind a mini lectern. Amazing! What a 12-year-old move! What is he doing? Um, And for reasons he couldn't quite fathom, he didn't mind terribly when Juliet called him by the pet name his mother had for him. Evilest little boy in the world. Likes when the pretty older girl calls him by a nickname. Oh, oh my god. So the best, one of the greatest things about this book is Artemis making absolutely awful jokes and then being like, oh my god, am I becoming a human? Yeah. Oh, oh, can I? Okay, I've got two, two, two I can read out now. One yep. is about Irish people, and the mm-hmm. other is Artemis being very stupid. Go on. Uh, so, first, the Irish one is that people sightings were very rare, um, except in Ireland, where the mud people were most in tune with magic. Thankfully, the rest of the world assumed that the Irish were crazy, a theory that the Irish themselves did nothing to debunk. <laughs> In spite of that, if there was one race that people felt an affinity for, it was the Irish. Perhaps because of their eccentricity. Perhaps because of their dedication to the crack, as they called it. It's and if the so people accurate. were actually related to humans, as another theory had it, odds are that the, it was the Emerald Isle where it started. So they're like, if a fairy ever, ever fucked a human, <laughs> it was here. <laughs> Owen, Owen Colfer is just like, hey, hey. Have you visited Ireland? You should come here. <laughs> but not I for the reasons tour- people say. I write for the Irish Tourist Board now. <laughs> it does seem like. But like, Irish people are crazy. And everyone knows that Irish people are crazy. So it's okay that they see fairies sometimes. Um, yeah, another thing is like, so I, I, I keep trying to sneak in plot elements for people. So Artemis... Just- Straight up say the plot. It's fine. Okay. Artemis goes about his plan to kidnap a fairy and he kidnaps Holly. And the only reason he's able to kidnap Holly is because Holly hasn't done the ritual that is very important to their people of planting an acorn into the soil to get her magic refreshed. And You're meant to do it every few months. She hasn't done it for four years. Yeah. Uh, so it's really bad. And so she's completely drained of magic, which is the only reason why the fo- the this plan works at all. Because if he'd caught an actual magical fairy, I think that the whole thing would have just like gone up in smoke within five seconds. Mm-hmm. But uh, Artemis brings Holly back to his house 
where he keeps her prisoner and because she is a guest in his home he is able to enact certain promises from her and both mostly those promises are not to hurt anyone in the house and not to leave the house mm-hmm. and then because this is going to cause like a multi-species uh incident if Artemis reveals that he has caught a fairy and the fairies exists, the whole of the fairy realm is now on a massive high alert in order to get Holly back. And so we have, this sets the scene for the rest of the book, which is the foul manor, because they live in a natural castle. Yeah, on the, the foul, edge of Dublin. On the <laughs> it's wild. So foul manor is like the scene and we've got the actual house itself and then surrounding the house we have the Lep Recon and their team of experts to bring it back and one of the ways in which they do this and or because fairies don't have as much power during the daytime because their power comes from the moon I'm so sorry that I'm talking so fast but I want to get through this so that we can talk about the characters more Artemis kidnaps a fairy the fairy's trying to give her back get her back in the end they pay the the ransom <laughs> and he wins. <laughs> but I want to talk about I want to talk about the time situation. So we mm-hmm. gotta we gotta bring it up in the plot. Mm-hmm. They set off a, ta- a a time warp thing that stops time within the house. And their plan is to safely get Holly out via negotiations. And if they can't do that, then they will get Holly out through any means necessary, and then bomb the house. And Some people are also okay with bombing the house while Holly's still in there. This is true. And that's where we get like the politics between mm-hmm. the different fairy groups. Um, and then the the important thing in terms of the plot and the time situation is that Artemis is like, I can escape the time field. And all of the fairies are like, no, you can't. No one can escape the time field. And that is the way in which Artemis is like, I'm going to outsmart you. And that's like how they get this grudging respect for him because mm-hmm. he's like, I can escape. And they're like, no, you can't. And he's like, I think I can though. And, and then he absolutely does it. Absolute mad lad. Absolute spoilers. He does escape the time, the time loop. And it's fantastic. Yeah, this is not a spoiler free review. It's a very straightforward plot. I guess the biggest twist would be whether or not like he succeeds and gets the money, but like he succeeds and get the, gets the money. We're telling you that now. Yeah. Um, uh, do you want to talk about Mulch Diggums now? Yes. <laughs> so Mulch Diggums is a criminal dwarf who the fairies bring in because the fairies don't follow the rules of hospitality, they lose their magic. And that's why Holly can't just walk out of the place, even if she did get like physically free. But Mulch Diggums is a thief who already breaks into fairy buildings uh, so he's already lost his magic and he doesn't have much use for magic because he's a dwarf. And let me tell you, the biology of dwarves in this world is pretty insane. It's beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful story craftsmanship. So I'm going to read you a bit from the TV Tropes page, which just summarizes some of the powers that dwarves have in this world. Mm-hmm. Along the course of the series, we learn that they can tunnel by eating earth, fire a devastating barrage of digested rock slash mud slash whatever they just dug through, propel themselves underwater and ignore the bends because of their intestinal bacteria, 
have saliva that works as a healing balm, can, can cling to walls if dehydrated, have glow-in-the-dark spit, which can also solidify to trap enemies, and contains a sedative capable of knocking people out, brackets. How exactly is only explained as far as Mulch's comment, you didn't fall asleep because I didn't do your head? They also have prehensile beards and antennae, which are handy lockpicks slash emergency surgical needles. In a later book, the actual line, even dwarves don't know most of their abilities happens. I it's love Owen Colfer. Amazing. And when Aoife says that they dig tunnels by eating dirt, they have like this weird intestinal system. They're like they... worms, but fast. They're worms, but fast. And that means that they have to poop out the dirt as they are going. Yeah. Which leads to a lot of the like toilet humor in this book. Literally, because yep. anytime Mulchdigums is on screen, there's just like a whole heap of poop and fart jokes. And I appreciated every single one of them as a child and as an adult. Yeah, I usually do not like toilet jokes, but I did love these. <laughs> I particularly enjoyed the one where he digs a tunnel into the manor and then he has to dig a tunnel out and there's like a just a paragraph about how some uh, some dwarves enjoy going back the same route as they took because the dirt has already been like compacted and there's not like air bubbles in it and it's all very smooth but how he personally hates eating his own poop (laughs) (laughs) and i'm just like babe You can't put this in a book for children, except please put it in every book for children. I love it so much. My other favorite mulch scene is there's this really, really high, like, tension scene where he's broken into Foul Manor um, and, like, the fairies have looped the sea the cctv so that like they won't know he's there and he's snuck into the safe room and he's cracking a safe and like we get alternating points of view where we know that butler is sneaking up behind him and we've already been like told how butler carries like 11 weapons on him at all time but can also kill you 30 different ways without a single weapon and you're like oh no what's gonna happen to mulch and then mulch is like oh god i didn't I didn't give myself enough time to like digest the mud because it was such a high tension scene that I just came into the house. Oh God, I'm feeling really bad. And he just kind of crouches over and farts enormously, (laughs) which is so powerful that it propels this like six foot something man off his feet through a door and like down some stairs. It's... Um, it's such a tense scene and it is literally solved by flatulence. And like, I th- the word sure- hurricane is used. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Butler ends up like with a concussion after that scene mm-hmm. and then has to f- immediately fight a troll. Oh yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh, it's such a good book. It's a I really love it good book. so much. I must. I might actually, after this, go and read the rest of the series. Like, there is, um, I think there's seven books in the series. There are seven books. I know I didn't read all of them. I actually meant to say this when we were discussing our histories with the books earlier. I definitely remember reading some of them in, like, the children's library in primary school. Um, And probably I read at least four of them. But when I was reading some of the plot summaries for the later ones, I do not remember. I think I stopped around the Lost Connolly. Con- Con- Same. 
colony. Um, and I definitely don't remember reading the time paradox where I think is... So in this series, Artemis, in this series, Artemis is uh, only child. But there is a second series that Owen Colfer is currently writing called The Foul Twins about Artemis's yo- two younger twin brothers. And I believe that they become into existence due to time paradox funny things that happened during the sixth novel i did read one of the ones with time travel in it because it was one of the ones where like spoilers but holly and artemis end up having a bit of a will they won't they um that's so weird it's so weird so old and there's no will they won't they in the books i not i don't remember there being a will they won't they in the books there, there is not That's this so one weird. because he's 12 but in a later oh, book, in the later like, ones i can kind of see that when i am going through puberty i bet i'm going to be attracted to holly and that's weird for me Mm-hmm. Um, but then they go through a weird time travel thing which de-ages holly and ages up artemis and they're Gross. both very uncomfortable with the mutual sexual tension that they wish wasn't there. And yet I, Owen Colfer wrote it. I really hate that because Holly is like, I'm pretty sure in her hundreds. She is, uh, yeah. Um, I wish that was not a thing, but fine. Another character? Fine. Okay, will you get back to discussing characters? Yeah, who else do you want to talk about? So Commander Root is Holly's Mm -hmm. superior officer and he's a great character because he's the protagonist of like a hard-boiled detective novel except he's a fairy and he's in the Artemis Fowl books so that ends up being really 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 funny um he He also he just always has a cigar he always has a cigar and and he is described his name is Roos okay his name is Root and he's described as being really red-faced all of the time and yet to my memory no one makes a beetroot joke. I think it's we, we do hear that people call him beetroot behind his back. But everyone's okay. afraid to say it to him. Commander Root is Holly's superior officer and he's always really hard on her. And then, and she's like, it's because I'm a woman and he's a misogynist. But early in the book, he's like, it's because you're a woman and I need you to do well so that I can bring more women into my squad. Because any slip up you have, you know people are going to be watching you really hard. Which is not ideal, but it means he's not a misogynist. Uh, but yeah, he's this hardball detective and he goes back into the field when Holly gets kidnapped because only the best will take this case and he's the best. And then there's a bit about him like zipping himself into his uniform and being like, hmm, it's just a bit tighter. I think well, it's because of all the stupid equipment Foley's putting in it. <laughs> and it's people so are amazing. like, are you going to be okay? in the field since you're slightly older now and he literally says the line i'll make up for my age with a really big gun i just love him i love him i love how protective he is of holly and like all of his team and also he has so the the elf politics comes about because a guy he went to like police academy with comes along and is like, you shouldn't be in charge of this mission. I should be in charge of this mission. And this is the way that I would do the mission. And Ruth is like, listen, I disagree with this guy and I don't like his methods, but he's a good guy. And so I'm not going to kick him off the place. And then 
he betrays him mm-hmm. and it's hilarious and he's like oh damn my college friend was a bad guy all along and everyone's I'm just like, gonna Duh. and everyone's like we told you he was a bad guy and but I just what I love is that Root just instantly is like I gave you all the chances that I could and now I'm just gonna watch you fail in like a scheme of your own making and it's yeah. amazing. We also get the line where he immediately starts to do what all politicians are best at, dodging mm-hmm. responsibility. Yeah. Um, like when things are good, he takes a load of responsibility and then uh, something goes bad and he's just like, this isn't my fault. Who, mm-hmm. Whose idea was this? Apparently he becomes a bigger villain in one of the later books, but sure probably that, that, that makes sense to me. Um, given that like, there's so many things in this book that come back within within the book and it's so well done. I t- do believe that like nothing that own that own Colfer brings up in this book wouldn't get a secondary referral later in other novels that he wouldn't pick back up those strings in a in a satisfying manner. The the big thing is that like when they go to Earth first, come to the surface first, it's to get a rogue troll. And then they're like, we have a rogue troll. What if we send it into the manor? Because trolls are dumb and therefore don't have to respect hospitality. And the fairies know that if the humans cry for help, they can interpret that as an invitation and then they can go into the manor. Yeah. And I didn't realise on my first read through, obviously because I was a child, this book really, like feels like it was written as part of a series like you can tell that a series is gearing up and like this is a good book in and of itself but it's so much like quite a simple plot because it's introducing you to the characters and they literally reference things like um you know butler gets farted off his feet by mulch diggums and butler's like one day i'll get you back and the book just throws in and of course he does but we'll get back to that another time that's because and we never mentioned this the book is not happening the book is not being told in real time there is this this book is like um there's a bit of a framing device where it's like a report there's a framing device so it starts with someone being like i'm writing this report and i'm delivering it and it's based on all the all the accounts of everyone who was there and then we have the book and then at the end he's like so that's the report and i want to note these various things um and he's also like a little bit of uh of narrative creativity went into the retelling just for <laughs> just to make it an easier read and i'm like dude is it a report or not <laughs> also it is a report by dr j argan or jargon (laughs) but jargon who is a character within the book that they bring in in order to like analyze analyze um, artemis from the outside and he's one of the linguist experts that they have it's they they bring in like three different psychologists and they spend an entire scene fighting with each other and then root comes in and is like what what is the point of you (laughs) that is another great example of the book being so stupid where they have these psychologists in and their job is to look at the film of artemis saying something and decide whether or not he's lying 
Yeah. Which is great. But there's levels of how stupid it is because also that is something that real life police departments do even though there's absolutely no scientific basis for it. Do you know what else I think this book showed me? And I don't know if I picked this up as a child, but as an adult, I definitely did. And it's the various ways in which the police will skirt rules as they want to. I had a weird bit where I was like, do I put down the fact that our, like, our protagonist is a villain, but also the cops who are meant to be the good guys are villains and villainous, but they're still protagonistized. So it's got that problem of hot fuzz where I'm like, I really love this story. And it is aware of the shortcomings of police, but it's also propaganda, <laughs> even yeah. though in a very like, it's kind of a sensitive and not inaccurate portrayal of police, but it's still propaganda. I think Mulch Diggums is the only good person and he is a a, thief. out and out criminal (laughs) so he was brought in like i said he's a criminal so therefore was able to break into the house without any further consequences but the police bring him in like he is a he is a prisoner and they bring him in and they're like we will reduce your sentence if you illegally assist us on this case um and it's great it's great and he ends up um faking his own death he fakes his own death by killing a rabbit and like just moving some soil around and me like, oh no, a cave in. And then he puts like his earpiece and his eyepiece on the rabbit and then goes away. Um, and because they all think he's dead, that he le- later steals some of the gold ransom that they have because he's like, nobody will notice that this is missing because nobody's counted anything because they're all under time pressure. It's He's just so good. I love him so much. He's so funny. He's mm-hmm. great in the later books as well. That's like my primary memory. Of yeah, there's a, bit, there's a bit in one of the later books where he's driving, but obviously he's a dwarf, so he's very short and he can't reach the pedals. So he attaches a stick to the accelerator so he can reach it with his foot and someone who's in the car with him is, is like, did you not also get the brake? And he's like, why would I need a brake? <laughs> Yeah, this reminds me of teaching you to drive. Hey! (laughs) I know I need the brake. I just don't know how to use it. I just love Mulch. He's so funny. Also, the names in this are so good. They're like quasi-Pratchett-esque. Yeah. Like, obviously, we've got Holly Short because she's an elf. And we've got Mulch Diggums because Mulch and Digging. He's a human worm. And I did this book with my kids' book club recently and that was one of the questions that I asked them I was like how did you feel about Artemis being like the protagonist of the book but also like the bad guy and like rooting for him and stuff and they had such great answers to us Mm -hmm. but the main thing was this was kind of the first time any of them had read a book in which the main character was the bad guy because like lots of kids books have characters where the kid is like naughty or bold Howard Henry Howard Henry and the like but in this book he is straight up like the criminal and like they were really conflicted about the fact that they wanted him to do they wanted him to get away with his scheme but they were also like they really felt for Holly and mm. like Holly's situation and they didn't want like bad things to happen to her and I was just like 
you're all such great kids and you all have such great nuanced responses to this. Um, just reminded me there. I actually would be really interested to hear like modern 11 year olds responses to this book because I think it holds up but I'm someone who read it for the first time at like 10 and reread it so I can't really know. These kids read it for the first time a couple of weeks ago and they all loved it and they most of them said that they were going to read further in the series. We generally as a book club we'll read the first in a series and then we'll move on to something else but the kids themselves can choose to read mm-hmm. more so some of them were like yeah we're gonna keep reading the series and i'm like cool off you go um so they're gonna go thanks on Coffer for getting kids reading in that's my a book really club. good scheme for a library <laughs> book club actually you just you lure them in it's like um drug dealers giving in a discount on your first <laughs> we actually do read quite a number of series almost for that reason we do standalone books as well but um often we do books that are like the first in a series and like, you liked this one you can keep reading us yeah did you like artemis the worst little boy in the world i think it's time for you to tell me about the horrible, terrible, awful, no good movie adaption of this mo- of this book. Okay, so they made a movie adaption. They've been talking about making a movie adaption for so many years. Fucking Kenneth it, Branagh was involved at some point. Yeah, um, and it was it was bad, Eva. It was a bad <laughs> adaption. They mixed two of the plots from. They brought in the plots from different books into one thing. And also, apparently, they did something where, like, they added an entire plot line during editing? No. How? I don't know. But apparently, that's a thing that they do. Like, because I was like, this plot line doesn't make any sense. And I don't remember what's going on. And I heard afterwards, it's because that they, they added it during editing. And they did, like, two reshoots scenes in order to make it work and it's bizarre um the movie is not great the kids in my book club two of them had watched it one of them thought it was bad and the other thought it was good but didn't have anything to do with artemis fowl fair fair i think that might be the most positive you could be about it like the the cast itself should have been grace the kid the kid who played um artemis was fine but I felt like he wasn't given a lot of direction Mm -hmm. was his main problem and kind of like stood there and gave his lines um which is like he's a kid actor sometimes it's hard and I blame I don't blame him I blame Mm -hmm. the whole thing uh Judy Dench is in this movie like really yeah she plays she plays Roos Commander Mm -hmm. Root oh I love that yeah um the kids were like not pleased with the gender swapping which i didn't they were like it's fine it's just like commander root was a book boy in the book and like it's fine um the thing i was upset with was that they changed for no reason that i can tell so in the book holly is um is brown she's Mm -hmm. described as having brown skin um and butler and butler's sister butler's sister are described as Caucasian. As Caucasian. 
um, and have like really blue eyes, but they changed them to be, they changed Holly to be white and they changed and gave her an, an, I think they had an Irish actress for her as well. And that I think that that might've also been a child actress. Yeah. And she had like a very pronounced Irish accent that was fake mm-hmm. <laughs> sounding. I don't know. I haven't heard her. I don't want to like be mean to child actors, their children. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't a great accent. And they made they made her white and then they made um, Butler and Juliet black. And it was... But they kept the blue eyes, which, like, you can have black people with blue eyes. That happens. But it was really weird and disconcerting. I don't like the dynamic of a historical servant black family. Um, yeah. There's just some... It's just bad. It's bad. Um, I will note that in the books, it it is a bit ambiguous, the race of the butlers, because they are described as Caucasian, which Colfer follows up with literally from the Caucasus region. So Caucasus is a Eastern European part of Russia area. Um, and the people there uh, do not always qualify as white to everyone it's like how uh yeah. turkish people can't answer whether or not they're white unless there's like three anthropologists and a historian in the room like it's tricky um and in one of the books as well uh butler is chinese like he um he goes to a chinese city with a chinese alias and is not questioned at all so it could be sort of a ambiguous appearance but uh, definitely not black or white would be what it is the main thing the main thing that i will say about the movie is that they did mulch dickums dirty what did they do to him what did they do to my boy so do you know how do you know how the the book is like a frame of it has a frame narrative of being a report yeah the movie has a frame narrative of being mulch dickums Mulchdigum being like interrogated by human police. I don't like that. I neither do I. And he is telling the story of Artemis Fowl. Mm-hmm. And it's like just not it's bad. Mulchdigum's escapes, and that's important to me. Yeah, and the voiceover throughout it is weird. Like, I don't want this to be just me like not liking the movie. The movie was enjoyable the tipsier I got as I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly it was enjoyable because as I watched it, I watched it with a person who had never read the books. Mm-hmm. And I just kept interrupting to be like, this isn't how it went in the books. Let me tell you how it went in the books. And it made me really want to read the books, which is a little bit how we're here right now. So I will mm-hmm. say that that's good. Um, but as a whole, yeah, not great. Saying the movie was so bad that it motivated you to reread the books does not does not speak well to it. No, that's true. But it, like it reminded me of how great Artemis Fowl was mm-hmm. and is and like what a fantastic book series it is, even if the movie itself is uh, painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've got a succinct description of the butlers and why people are annoyed about how they're treated in the movie. And Nosy's casting as Butler was criticised as the books describe him as a Eurasian who can pass as Japanese and Russian and because the character's physical description of terrifying anyone in his presence combined with his backstory of his family having served the Fowl family for centuries was seen with 
and Nosy's casting as embodying several stereotypes of African-Americans and Africans, particularly the, quote, scary black man and the, quote, black servant tropes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I really hated it. Um, I hated it for a lot of reasons, but I also primarily hated it because of how blue they made his eyes. It was just very distressing mm-hmm. to see him. But yeah, so I think that's kind of everything I have to say about Artemis Fowl and the, the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm real sorry, Chris Colfer, because we're going to tag you in this if you listen and you loved the movie. I don't know your feelings on it. I haven't seen you talk about it at all, but like, sauce. <laughs> We love your books. Please read the books. Hi, Owen Colfer. If you're listening to this, I am sorry I didn't get the chance to see you in real life the one time you came to UCD, but I had work that evening. So I'm <laughs> glad you got an award from the Sci-Fi Society. I hope you're doing well. Um, I'm sure that he missed your presence specifically. I'm very. I'm, I'm a loud presence in a room, Kira. So you mightn't be aware. <laughs> um... Do we want to do sidelights highlights or yeah. I think I think both of our highlights is most digums. Well, my highlight is what I've written down is I love the most horrible little boy in the world. And then oh, yeah. an arrow coming away from it saying, This book's funny. <laughs> it is really funny. Like the it's language very, very funny. Used, such as like Root being like, I will make up for my age with a big, big gun. There's also when he goes to um when he goes to negotiate with Artemis, there's a line where it's like, he held out his hands in front of him in the universally accepted sing- in the universally accepted signal of, I'm not carrying a great big weapon. Yeah, it's beautiful. So that's my highlight. Um, my sidelights are the I- very stupid parts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. What... Well- did you tell me what the stupid parts are? Um, well, computers being so magical, the magical translating You software. know what? You know what? I remember, yeah. So when I read it, I was like, these, these computers are doing things that computers now are just barely doing. But, you know, Artemis is a genius and he clearly programmed. It's, I think, I believe it says he writes a program. So um, I believe it. I believe that Artemis... Can do these things. I don't if think he you're listening. It's I my, did. I love it. I love <laughs> the stupid bits. I love how stupid it is. I love that they use the selenium main... two as like a fucking made up like chemical that helps yeah. them do magic. I love that neutrinos keep coming up for no reason. I love that fairies are descended from pterodactyls. I love that the doctor. It's a theory. I love that the doctor who won't shut up is called Dr. J. Argon. I love it. It's all really good. It's very funny. It's very funny. It is... Oh, we're going to have to do more more Owen Colfer on the pod, Absolutely. honestly. I would actually like I've... to read Benny and Omar, I think. Ooh, you do Benny and Omar and I'll do the wish list and then we'll be like all set. Ooh, or maybe the Supernaturalist. That was good. No, I think I want to do the wish list. Okay. What are your um, sidelights? My, my sidelights are... Honestly, I can't believe we haven't talked about Holly more because she's fantastic. We get, like, so much time. We get a good bit of time in her head. And she's, like... Oh, my God. She gives out about fucking dandruff at one point. Yeah. Which is just beautiful. I'm like, yeah. Um, because the helmets dry out their ears. She's like, 
all of the lads have like they take off their helmets and you think it snowed i have a moisturizing regime i'm like yes and i love how she i love how dedicated she is to her job even if i don't agree with her job Mm -hmm. um and i really enjoy that like even when you think that she doesn't have any options like she has no magic she has been ordered to stay in the house she's still looking for loopholes she's still looking to get out of this like she doesn't know that there's people coming to rescue her and she's like i gotta rescue myself and i'm like yes go rescue yourself she is trapped in the house she manages to get her magic back yeah but she's still trapped in the house and she still has to like uh follow the rules of hospitality but she finds artemis and she punches him in the face Beautiful. And I want to, I also highlighted the little interaction that happens there. So after he gets punched, what happens is Artemis was propped up on his elbows. You hit me, he said in disbelief. Holly strapped on a set of wings. That's right, foul. And there's plenty more where that came from. So stay right where you are if you know what's good for you. For once in his life, Artemis realised that he didn't have a snappy answer. He opened his mouth, waiting for his brain to supply the customary pithy comeback, but nothing arrived. Holly slipped the Neutrino 2000 into its holster. That's right, mud boy. Playtime's over. Time for the professionals to take over. If you're a good boy, I'll buy you a lollipop when I come back. And when Holly was long gone, soaring beneath the hallway's ancient oak beams, Artemis said, I don't like lollipops. He chastises himself so hard for that. It's yeah. beautiful. He's like, oh, I love him. Because, like, so, so yeah, Artemis is complicated because, yeah, he's a bad guy. He is a criminal. He's the most horrible little boy in the world. He's also a child. And there's just, like, no one is taking care of him. Because we haven't talked about this, but like his mom has had an absolute breakdown over the disappearance of his mm-hmm. father and is having like is having an a psychotic break where she is like imagining that her husband has come home and it's their wedding night and she's dancing around with a suit. And it's at, at, at that same point thinks that Artemis, when he visits, is actually like her father and is just like hasn't left her bedroom in it would appear nearly a year and is refusing like most foods refusing all company won't even let them open the blinds because so like he really needs someone to show him some love and affection and boundaries yeah because he's just running around the place with no adults at all he's not going to school butler's there but butler's his employee so butler does not tell him what to do and and like you said earlier he uh, juliet calls him Artie, and he's like oh i don't know why i find it nice that he called that she called me by my mother's nickname for me and i'm like your mother doesn't recognize you every time you go into her room she sometimes thinks that you're someone else like it, is it any wonder really why you would find it nice that someone is giving you affection mhm i love him it's not angsty at all, but it, there's a whole thread of him being like, I am the criminal mastermind. But then he keeps doing secretly nice things. And this is yeah. more of a thing as the books progress. But even like in this book, um, he blows up a whaling ship and he's like, anyway, at least now there's fewer whaling ships. It's very distasteful as a way of getting oil. <laughs> 
at the another thing I love is at the end of the book, him and Butler like agree that they won't kidnap any more fairies mm-hmm. because um, fairies are too human. Mm-hmm. So they'll just they'll just stick to regular criminality. <laughs> and I'm like, that affects humans, actual humans. Fair trade crimes only. <laughs> the books are so funny and I just love them. They're I think they're really smart overall. I know that some of the bits are just like dated a little, but it's also just I think I it holds up to me, honestly. Uh I don't have a low light. My low light is that the movie was bad. I mm-hmm. think that I think that this book and this series deserved a better movie. And when I become a famous movie director, uh, I will make it my mission to create a new version of the Artemis Fowl movie series. Um, I say this, but I have no intentions of actually directing a movie ever in my life. So... Yeah, I think I'd just finance it, honestly. I would, when I win the lotto, I'll, like, hire a director I like to do a good job on it. Fair. Maybe maybe that's a better plan, but I will also be on set every day to give my opinion, and I will be put down as a producer. The that's... biggest micromanaging boss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. I think that's everything we have to say for Artem's File. We're going to be back in two weeks where I alone will have read the book uh, Blood Moon by Lucy by Lucy Carthrew, mm-hmm. which is about a girl who gets her period during sex and dun to dun to dun is shamed for us. It's a whole um, thing. It's a whole thing. It's also written in verse and I'm very excited for us. So, Wonderful. Yeah. Ethan, you want to run us through the social medias? Uh, yeah, if you guys want to hear more about what we are doing in future, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and on Goodreads. So on Twitter, you can find us at ForeverYAPod. It's where we tend to post our updates. Uh, Instagram, we are at ForeverYAPodcast. Kira will occasionally pop up a nice graphic from one of the books we read. Um, you can also find us on Goodreads, as I said, which is at, also at Forever YA Pod. It's our account name. I'm not quite sure how Goodreads renders that, but we have all of these down in the description anyway. Um, and if you really like what you're listening to, you can support us on Patreon, where we are also Forever YA Pod. If you can't afford that or just don't want to, that's totally valid. We'd really appreciate reviews. Uh, most importantly on Apple Podcast. That is where most of the important ratings happen. And But anywhere you can leave a review, please leave a review. Uh, we love to hear from you guys. If you don't want a review, uh, you can also just talk to us on Twitter. Um, like I said, we respond to things on there. And tell your friends. If you think you know someone who might appreciate this podcast, let them know about it. Um, we love our, our little listening family and we're actually close to hitting 5,000 downloads now. So Which that's... we are very excited about and might have to make another cake. We might have to make another cake, which we'll <laughs> then post a picture of on Instagram. So you'll want to be following us when it happens. Um, but yeah, that's all for this episode. You guys take care out there. Uh, let us know if you have many big opinions and thoughts and feelings on the Artemis Fowl series by Owen Golfer. Bye. Bye. Forever young adult.
happened and you're still here, I think you want to follow us on Twitter. Yeah, you can find us there at ForeverYAPod. And on Instagram at ForeverYAPod. You can also email us at ForeverYAPod. And if you really, really like what you're hearing, you can contribute to our Patreon, which you can find at ForeverYAPod. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, if you are listening on iTunes, please leave us a review. We love you. Talk to you in two weeks. Bye.